Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. Play together, they believe. Um, if there's Levert, it's cold. Levert, back in. Speed. Oh, he's a one-man wrecking crew. Holiday, shot clock down to six. Finds Warren. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we start today, if you have not already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. We always want to hear from you and get your feedback. Um, First of all, thank you guys for, for hanging tight while I was out. Uh, I was gone in Las Vegas for the beginning of Summer League. Most of Summer League, I guess. It's just about over. Last game is tomorrow or today, if you're listening to this on Monday, at 3 p.m. EST. Uh, absolute blast. It was really cool getting to go out and be in Las Vegas and, and witness uh, games in person. It was my first time seeing games in person in about two and a half years. So it was kind of uh, an awesome awesome experience to get, get to go from no live games to uh you know seeing like 20 over the course of four days was pretty cool uh a lot of i mean i got to see two of the pacers games live uh my flight was late so i missed the first one unfortunately but um i of course went back and watched it uh but yeah i i know it's been a little bit i think it's been 10 days since i've had a pod come out but it's been a very busy time uh there's not been a ton basketball wise that has gone on so it helps that um, that was in conjunction with being out of town, but uh, a decent amount to dive into today. Some big takeaways from the Pacers Summer League team so far. A few things I want to get to before then, but I just want to say again, thank you guys for uh, for being patient, hanging there. The pod is going to be ramping back up uh, pretty much now uh, with the season coming up relatively soonish. Like, yeah, it starts in October, so about two months from now, uh, like middle of October. But I mean, we still have. Free agency is pretty much done, but there will be more things going on in uh, in trades and, and whatnot throughout. You know, you, you never know when those things are going to pop up. Uh, always waiting for uh, for a Shams or, or Woj report to, to hit on Twitter. But as of now, things are mostly set. You know, like we're still waiting to see what happens with the last roster spot now that Cassius Stanley had his qualifying offer rescinded, um, which we'll get more into later on in the pod. But uh just kind of uh, already getting ready for 2022, which is, is just uh, weird in a lot of senses. But uh, before we dive into more current events, uh, the Malice at the Palace documentary from Jermaine O'Neal, uh, I guess he was executive producer, so I guess it's kind of from him. It depends how you want to put it. Came out on Netflix. Um, definitely worth the watch. I think it was only about an hour. Uh, very interesting in a lot of ways. Uh, I didn't really necessarily feel like I learned anything new, not to sound like a snob, but like, uh, it was just cool to get different perspectives here from the guys themselves. You know, obviously, uh, Steven Jackson, uh, Meta Sandiford, Artest, formerly Ron Artest, um, and Jermaine were all heavily featured in it. They, they didn't really get anything from, from Tinsley, which I thought was surprising. Um, Reggie had a lot in it as well. Um. But yeah, we didn't really hear, like, I mean, Donnie Walsh was in it. You don't really hear anything from Rick Carlisle or Larry Bird or, uh, or anyone else around the team too much, which is not like super surprising, but I just, I, it was, it was interesting. I feel like you probably would have had to make it, you know, like a half hour or so longer if you're getting another person's perspective in there, but um, definitely stands out. Uh, it was, uh, it was very eye opening too, just with the way everything has gone down this past year in regards to uh, some of the fan uh player interactions 
on and off court. Um, you see some of the groundwork being set for that back then. Um, obviously, I was a I was a really small kid when that happened. I didn't see it live. I saw it on YouTube years later when I was still a kid, and that was you know coming about. I think I was six when when this went down. Um, Cause yeah, it was 2004 before me. So yeah, I would have been six at that point. Um, but just like going back through and seeing this stuff happen, it's crazy, man. Like I'm sure, you know, I don't have too much to say on this, but I just, I did want to hit on it for a second. Like, um, and even still, I mean, a lot of people are like, you know, well, this is all so-and-so's fault, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, it's a culmination of crap happening at the same time. But, um, regardless, well worth your watch. Um, anything Pacers related, is is fantastic uh for for any of you listening but of course it is a little bit painful uh i'm sure to to go back and watch that and and remember what happened to what would have been probably the best team in pacers history but um definitely worth checking out uh another thing that popped up vegas's initial betting odds i don't know if they're finalized i think it's finalized i could be wrong uh have dropped um it was from what i don't remember which vegas sports book one of my friends sent it to me but they have the Pacers set at 43.5 as the over-under for next season, uh, which would have them 7th in the East based on how the other standings are playing out. Um, and I think it's an interesting look. I, uh, you know, it, It's funny because in talking to other people who analyze the NBA or talking to national analysts in general, like um, people really don't know where to put Indiana. And I kind of feel in the same boat right now. Like... They've made some changes, like Rick Carlisle obviously is a huge addition, um, huge change as, as the head coach, revamping most of the coaching staff, although some have been brought back, like Tyler Marsh, Calvert Chaney, um, others as well, who I'm not remembering off the top of my head. But uh, for the most part, the roster turnover hasn't really been there. There's been, obviously, Chris Duarte and Isaiah Jackson are in, um, but it's going to be a lot of the same team as last year. And Caitlin and I talked about this in our last pod, but it's interesting seeing, you know, how things are looking um, across the board for other teams. I think uh, it feels like Vegas is very much so, uh, and, and the, the odds makers are, are betting on Rick Carlisle having a real impact. I would agree with that. I, I don't, I just don't know what it's going to look like. And we'll, we'll have more on that uh, as things start to unfold, I guess. But uh, interesting to note where the betting lines are starting at. Um, another quick update, Keelan Martin, uh, his his deal was technically going to be guaranteed on the 7th of August. That got pushed back. I don't know the exact date right now, but it still hasn't happened yet. So we're still waiting to find out if that's going to happen, if, if the Pacers, if he's going to be on the Pacers roster next year, and if the team is interested in keeping him around. Um, I would surmise that there's at least some interest in keeping him around. Otherwise, they would have just waived him uh, when uh, the guarantee date was up. So I'm interested to see what happens there. Um, and I think now is a good time to talk about Cassius Stanley and transition a little bit more into Summer League. Um, one of the things that stood out to me right away watching in person, uh, and I've, I'm somebody who's always been really intrigued by Cassius Stanley and what he could bring for the team. He's a fantastic athlete. He's got positive indicators as a shooter. Um, could be a really good defender. It just has not really happened for him. Um, you know, there were a lot of moments in Summer League where uh, he just does not look spectacular uh is it sounds harsh to put it that way but just considering he's a a guy who is who just played an entire year in the g league just in all honesty he's not presenting a lot that is leading to the team wanting to invest in him and it's really 
a harsh reality. And one of the things that kind of sucks about summer league and the G League in general is seeing guys who are uh, struggling to make it a little bit. And that's kind of where Cassius is at right now. Uh, I think he's going, I mean, he's sticking out the rest of summer league with them. Um, he had a better performance recently. Uh, but overall, it just hasn't been a good performance for him. And obviously, obviously, like we mentioned off the top, his deal got rescinded. Um, and J. Michael from the Indy Star put out an article talking about how this maybe opens up the door for adding a third guard because that's something the team has been looking at doing, and that makes sense to me. They had a lot of wing-sized players who aren't necessarily ball handlers, obviously with Chris Duarte, Malcolm, uh, T.J. Warren, uh, Jeremy Lamb, who, who they still have on the roster. Um, and there just doesn't really seem to be a real avenue for Cassius to move up, especially with what his play is looking like right now. Uh, Kiefer Sykes has been interesting. He was the guy who uh, was hit the game-winning shot at the basketball tournament and got picked up by the Pacers. He had a rough start, um, but he's actually been kind of intriguing recently. Uh, he's He's been quality as a passer. Uh, I like him as a driver. He's a little bit small. A little bit small is being kind. I mean, I think he's six foot, uh, maybe. Um, in person, he looks a little bit shorter than that. I'm not trying to be uh, like unfair to him. I, I don't have like a measuring stick with me when I'm out in Vegas, but... Um, I, I was really impressed with his driving ability. Some of the changes pace stuff that he does coming out of pick and roll. Um, again, for somebody that size, to, he finished quite well at the rim. Part of that is, yes, he's not playing against like elite rim protectors in the G League, but you can see some of the stuff that he does. Like he, th- he throws in a lot of stutters, um, just some good hesitations to uh, open up some ability for him to burst to the rim. And it, it looked good for him. And, and he really started to find things as a passer uh, as summer league has gone on, we still again we still have another game tomorrow. Want to get more from that, but that was intriguing to me. I think it's entirely possible because in going through, there really just aren't a lot of free agent point guards available. One name that I would keep an eye on is Grant Riller, uh, who was selected by the Hornets in the second round last year. Played in their G League, had a pretty solid year in the G League. I didn't watch much of him, but just based on numbers and, and what I know of him as a player and have seen of him as a player, he's looked good. Um, that's a name to keep an eye on because they did not extend him a qualifying offer partially because I think they just have a a lot of investments elsewhere. I don't really have a great read on that situation because Grant was fine. Like I don't think that there was any reason to not bring him back unless they just don't think they're going to have a roster spot for him. Um, He'd be somebody to keep an eye on six two, not like the most athletic guy, but he's, he's very crafty, very skilled quality passer i've said quality passer a million times in this pod but like he's a he's a, he's a good passer uh, especially if he's going to be your third point guard i think he'd be an interesting bet he can do some stuff off the dribble as a shooter um he's good getting to the rim uh i think he'd be worth a bet on if if they end up not going with Kiefer Sykes or they're looking at somebody else at the point guard position but honestly outside of riller there really is not a lot going on in terms of somebody who's actually going to be a lead ball handler like um, I know it's not perfect, again, because you have, you know, this is your third guard. You're not exactly going to get a lead ball handler regardless. But, you know, if you if you want somebody else who can come in and run some offense, Shaq Harrison is not going to be that guy. Like, Shaq Harrison's an unrestricted free agent right now. He's a fun defender, more of like an undersized wing in some ways, not really a ball handler. Um, there are just a lot of question mark guys, Like, and that's what's going to happen when you get to the back end of the roster. But Trying to find the guy who they're most confident in giving that two-way spot to uh, is going to be interesting. And again, just keep your eye on Grant Reeler because I do think that there's uh, some potential there. I do believe the Pacers worked him out last year. I'd, I'd have to fact check that. 
Um, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I believe they did. Um, but I would say Kiefer Sykes probably has the inside track if they do sign somebody. Or if anything, it opens up more flexibility for them to do a deal right now. Um, you know, you could take on an extra player or extra salary in some way um, in order to, to make a deal come through. Um, so, again, stuff to keep an eye on. We, we, we're, it's more poking uh, at things and trying to find uh, a talking point here because I'm not entirely sure what the team's going to do with it. Um, I would bet that they just end up filling it out with the two-way uh, rather than uh, using it, using the added flexibility for a trade. But you never know. Anything could really happen with that. So we're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back, we're going to talk more about Chris Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, and O'Shea Brissett, and some of the main takeaways from that headed into uh, this upcoming season. All right, welcome back. So actually, a really funny story before I, uh, I get us going here. Um, it was kind of hilarious because the, the very first day that I pulled up at Summer League, um, I'm with a couple of my friends who, who cover the league elsewhere uh, that I was staying with. And we get out of the Uber for our very first day at Summer League, the, the, the very first day of Summer League in general. Um, and lo and behold, the first person who gets out of a car right in front of me that I see in Las Vegas, Nevada was Nate Bjorkren. So uh, kind of funny how that worked. That was uh, honestly quite funny to see. Um, definitely made my day and I got a few laughs out of that with my friends because that was such an unexpected thing, very coincidental. Um, but diving into Summer League in general and looking at, uh, I want to start with Chris Duarte because that's who we have to talk about first. Uh, obviously, he was drafted 13th. Um, there was a lot of talk around him, uh, specifically his age. He just turned 24 recently. Uh, and I think you know, my initial takeaway with Duarte was that he wasn't my first choice, uh, especially doing more scouting background work this year. I liked Duarte a lot. I think he was deserving of a lottery pick, um, and I wasn't all in on him, but I understood why the Pacers drafted him. And especially in watching him up close in person uh, and and seeing what he's done on the court while taking in, uh, you know, taking a few grains of salt uh, with, you know, knowing it's just summer league. This is not just like, oh, he's 24, so he's blowing people out of the water like he should be. Like, this is Chris Duarte has been one of the probably five to 10 best players um, at the entire event. And that's being generous. Uh, I mean, not not generous, that's wrong way of putting it. That's being like uh, light with it because I do, th- I, I would probably say he's been one of the five best players at Summer League. He's looked absolutely incredible. And, and I, I just want to, my friends over at Sports Info Solutions, which is a wonderful scouting service that's really starting to blow up. Um, they have a points added leaderboard or not points added. I can't remember what it's, but it's basically an impact metric showing like which players having the most impact. Uh, and Chris Duarte is currently leading all rookies at summer league and just leading players in general at summer league, which is impressive. Uh, again, that's not everything, but it's just a nice little indicator showing, Hey, this guy is doing really good stuff on the court. Uh, and it's worth noting. Um, another thing worth noting, I do think we have to take this with a grain of salt because again, it is summer league uh things i mean like not to throw kevin knox under the bus but i'm gonna throw kevin knox under the bus he was uh really good at summer league completely filled up the stat sheet and that just hasn't translated so again i want to wait to have way more concrete opinions until we get to uh actual meaningful basketball but this has still been really encouraging like i he's blown my expectations out of the water to be quite frank um and 
I'm just really excited to see what he looks like with this team moving forward. Uh, again, we, I, I don't anticipate him coming in and being a starter right away or anything, but we've seen a lot that has just been very encouraging. And I think the biggest thing for me has been seeing – I mean, like the Pacers really just don't have – a real lead ball handler on the summer league roster. They had Jordan Bone. Again, we mentioned Kiefer Sykes earlier. Um, neither of them are guys who would classify as like really good playmakers. Um, you know, Jordan Bone actually has struggled quite a bit at, at summer league, which is unfortunate because he's a guy you want to see succeed. Um, he's, he spent time in the NBA. Uh, but I mean, that's led to Chris getting a lot of on ball reps. And I think maybe part of that is the design of the roster and part of the, like part of why they want to do that. And he's looked good. Uh, I think as a pick, like if he's just being asked to run straight spread pick and roll, it's not amazing because I I think he still has a lot of work to do on his initial reads. That was my opinion with him coming out of, of Oregon, but it's actually looked better uh, in some ways in this setting than I expected it to. Um, I personally like him a lot more as a passer when he's coming off of an action and flowing into another one. Like, so if he's coming off of like an Iverson into a, into a pick and roll, so the defense isn't completely set and they're, they're still, um, you know, you're, you're manipulating the defense into what you're doing. Like, I think those are where you're seeing his best opportunities, not just running straight up pick and roll. Um, but I've really liked him as a reactive playmaker instead of a guy. So like proactive is more like uh, you're, you're throwing a pass uh, and throwing a opening, uh, gosh, throwing a guy open is the way to put it. So like you're, you're putting the ball somewhere where the defense isn't even seeing right now, like, uh, because you're, you're seeing two steps ahead. Reactive is more like you're seeing what's presented to you and you're taking advantage of it, which is, it's not that it's one thing is better than the other, but, um, like proactive can, that generally is more for like the top notch, top tier playmakers in the NBA. Reactive is still really good. Um, but it's more just like seeing things in the flow rather than seeing the entire court, uh, I think would be the way to put it. And not that Chris isn't seeing the entire court, but just, you know, for, uh, with, for lack of better analogy, um, like for instance, he's been really good at hitting dump offs underneath the basket. Like he's trying double, double or triple teams sometimes on drives. Cause his driving has been really good. Um, he's been very good finding the dump off. Uh, he's been good kicking out to the corners. Uh, one of the issues he has had is if a team high tags, um, he gets caught with his handle a little bit and can kind of bumble the ball or has to pick it up. Um, you know, even just tags in general can can bother him a little bit, and he's still working on seeing the help side coming. Like that's going to be a work in progress for him this whole year, I imagine, moving forward. Uh, but I've just been really encouraged by some of the playmaking from him. Uh, and I also appreciate like he's been very willing to make plays. It's not just like you're pulling teeth and asking him to 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 make plays or to make risky plays like he doesn't mind turning the ball over which I think is a good thing like you need guys who are willing to try and make uh the extra play because that's what's really going to hurt a defense instead of just making like the play that they're giving you because of how they're reacting to you um the shot has been fantastic he's doing a ton off the dribble which that was something he had uh at Oregon but he's doing more like even like he he took some threes out of pick and roll um He's the, uh, like the one dribble sidestep has been there for him throughout Oregon, um, or at least this last season from watching him. But the hitting step back threes has been notable. The catch and shoot has looked really good. His mechanics are so clean and everything just looks so good about it. He's done a really good job of relocating. Um, he's just been fantastic moving without the ball. The cutting has been really good from him. Um, 
He's been good as a connective playmaker. Like, overall, you can just see so much of how he is going to make sense on this roster uh, and be implemented. And I think it, w- it was either Chad Buchanan or Rick who went on uh, a, a mid-game press conference. Or not press conference, but like mid-game on... Uh, Jesus, I can't speak. Uh, mid-game interview uh, at like halftime of one of the games. And I think it was the Hawks game. And they talked about you know how they, they, they took Chris because they thought he could make an impact right away and would make sense with, with Rick Carlisle and, and what he's trying to do with the team. And like you see that. I mean... You just see so many ways, like, and I, I've been so encouraged by what he's doing as a playmaker, like I mentioned earlier, because that's just going to open up even more for him, more for the offense. Um, like, you can pretty easily envision him running secondary stuff. Like, let's say Malcolm runs down, like, I mean, takes the ball downhill on a drive, which we see a lot. Uh, him or Harris gets to the cup. Let's say that they're double teamed, draw help, and kick the ball out, and, and Chris is, is hitting a secondary drive. Uh, or, or running a second side pick and roll with Domas or Miles, like you can see that stuff. Like you can you can picture it, and it's been really cool because one of the things I've loved about this experience is, especially in person, a you can hear the guys talking, which is it's a small thing, but it's a cool thing. But also, like you can just see how a guy is kind of feeling the game. Like Chris has been so composed, uh, which I think could be an overused, overrated thing or whatever. But he just doesn't feel sped up at all. Um, which has been really impressive to me. Like, even just in, in how he gets to the rim, um, he never really feels very rushed. He's been, uh, his pace has just been so good in handling himself, getting to the getting to the rim, making reads. Um, you know, even when he is making mistakes, it feels like he's still in control for the most part. So that's been impressive to me. But, like, point being, like, in going back and talking about, like, running these actions, like, I really thought he was, especially coming right in, I thought he was going to be just more of a play finisher, um, not somebody who was going to run things, but his handles really impressed me. Like I, I thought it was solid at Oregon, but watching here and seeing it against real talent um, or real NBA level talent, it's been impressive to me how good his handle has looked. Like it's not anything blowing anybody out of the water. It's still a little bit mechanical. He can he can bobble it at times, like we mentioned earlier with the help. But I mean, you can legitimately envision him running second side actions, running some pick and roll. Um, just doing things that, that make sense. Like, again, like like mentioning, like coming off of an Iverson into a pick and roll or just doing things like that uh, because he moves really well without the ball in his hands. Um, just adds another guy with scoring gravity and real punch off the bench um, or even in, in the starting lineup or just added to what, whatever, you know, whoever's out there. Um, having more dynamic ball handling and, and capability of scoring. Uh, capability of scoring out there is something this team needed. Um Another thing that's been interesting to me is how athletic he has looked. Like, I thought he looked, like, decently athletic, more more kind of average or slightly above at Oregon. But he's popped athletically in these games, especially on some of the blocks he's had. Um, we'll talk more about his defense. But, like, uh, I've – I mean, I, I've I've been very I keep saying impressed, but like that's that's just kind of where I'm at with him. I've been very impressed with him. Um, the like his he just has looked like a very good athlete. He's been he's not like the fastest downhill guy, um, but he gets downhill well. I think his burst is solid. It's not amazing. Like he doesn't get a ton of sep. Like again, he's not a guy who's getting separation one on one for the most part. His handle's not that advanced to do that. Uh, and he's not the most, uh, he's not sh- necessarily strong enough to just power through somebody. And he's not fast enough to just go right past them. But in terms of, you know, again, like what he's doing as a secondary guy, 
the athleticism is there for that. Like, I do think there is something to his power drive game, especially coming off of a ball screen. We've seen that play out, especially when, uh, you know, if it happens middle pick and roll and the help's not coming over all the way. Um, if, if it's more side pick and roll and there's somebody in the corner, that he, that gets kind of congested for him. And you could see that play out on court quite a bit, especially against the Hawks. Um but when he has a space to operate, it looks really good. Uh, the verticality has been kind of ridiculous to me. Like, I, I know I'm like, I'm, I'm getting kind of giddy just thinking about it. Like, I'm not even a fan, but like, just in terms of like watching what he's doing on court, um, some of the help side rotations he had coming over and erasing something were, were fantastic. Like, he had that block on Obi Toppin against the Knicks in the first game that was fantastic. Um, he's been insanely good as a rebounder like he all almost is kind of like tj warren in some ways the way that he's cleaning up on the offensive glass um being a really good cutter opens up a lot for you as an opportunistic rebounder and when he's not involved in a play or he's not the one shooting he still is doing a great job of coming in and and and, and trying to put the ball back in um or just get it in general and that's been good like he's not overdoing it either he isn't getting completely burned in transition defense um, he has certainly been very aggressive on defense. Uh, like the defense has been good. Um, but I do wonder, I tweeted this out today. I wonder what it's going to look like uh, under Rick in the NBA, because I do think some of it's going to have to be reined in because playing in this setting, you know, and more of pickup styles, wrong way to put it, but more in a, a more variable style, I guess would be the way to put it. Instead of like in the regular season when teams can, you know, they know what you're going to do and they can nitpick some of those things. And especially, I mean, that happens even more in the playoffs, but like if a team gets it on their scouting report that Chris Duarte is going to roam like, uh, you know, 10 feet off of his man because he sees something going on. Like it looks really good, especially when he's getting the steal or coming across court and blowing up a play. But if that man is wide open and they're a 44% corner shooter, it's a lot harder to get away with that at the NBA level. Cause he's still, his closeouts have been better than they were at Oregon. They're still not great. Um, I want to see a little bit of, of him cleaning those up, but part of it's cause he, he helps so hard, which is really good. Like you want to see stuff like that. But again, you there's, there's caveats to everything. Um, so he's averaging, I believe, over five stocks a game right now. I don't really expect that to hold up at the next level, but it has been impressive. Like as a guy who's 6'6 and is providing legitimate uh, help side rim protection, uh, that stands out and it should. Like it makes, you can see this and be like, okay, I understand why they made this pick because he's helping the defense. He's helping the offense. He has not been good at the point of attack on, on defense, to be completely honest. Um, but that's something we knew coming in. Like he's not the strongest. His feet aren't super quick, uh, laterally. And I think that's something he's going to work on for sure. Um, got to get stronger at the point of attack. He has the wingspan to be a, a better point of attack defender than he is right now. And I think he'll get to neutral, but right now he, he has not looked awesome there. Um, but regardless, I mean, I've been just overall really impressed with Chris Duarte as should anybody. Um, I think so much got made out of the age that I think was unfair. Uh, like at the end of the day, he's just a really damn good basketball player. And we're seeing that play out on court. And there are a lot of guys who who got drafted or will get drafted that are 18 or 19, and, and they might never hit the level that Chris is at right now at 24. And again, it's just important to note, like growth curves aren't the same for everyone. It's not linear. You just never know how things are going to work out. And I'm not trying to be reductive with that. I do think that there is real credence to saying, okay, well, we want to get a younger guy with all this potential. Like, 
Chris Duarte still has a lot of potential at age 24. I, I'm not ready to cap somebody's ceiling. Um, you know, it, I think a lot more of, of development, like he's, well, I, I think here's how I put it. Is he going to grow as an athlete as much as a guy at age 18 or 19? No, I don't think so. I think that's way less likely. But is his game going to grow at the same rate or level as somebody 18 or 19? I think that's pretty possible. Um, you know, it's less about age and more about, okay, is this guy coming in and playing NBA minutes for the first time? Yeah. Like that, then you're coming in at the same level as somebody who's 18 or 19. Like, again, they've probably played less basketball if they're 18 or 19, but they're coming in with the same uh, amount of NBA experience and, and, and high level experience against the highest level, I should say. Um, so just stuff to keep note of, but again, just try not to have your expectations be too, too insane. It's a big difference jumping up from summer league to, uh, um, to the full NBA. Like, I don't want to just like completely poo poo that, but I think it is worth noting. Um, and that gets us to our second guy, Isaiah Jackson, who, uh, had some really interesting flashes so far in summer league. We'll probably talk more about this tomorrow after that game. Um, because he's looked better and better each game. I mean, he came in late uh, because of that trade. Um, it took him a little while for his physical to get done. I think that it was in the middle of the first game against the Knicks that he, he only played like seven minutes in that game because um, he got cleared to play like mid, midway through the game, if I remember correctly. So it was impressive to see that he hadn't practiced with the team at all. So that's why, you know, he was playing kind of minimal minutes. Uh, he's been a lot of what I expected so far. And I, I mean that in a good way. He's contesting everything. Like he jumps at everything. He jumps at every pump fake. He jumps at every rim attempt that is a pump fake. Uh, and that's something he's going to have to work on. Like kind of like it was with Miles when he first came into the NBA. Uh, there, There's a lot there as a shot blocker. His second jump is freaking ridiculous. Uh, the athleticism is crazy. Like I think Isaiah might be the best athlete on the Pacers now. Um, which is kind of astounding. Like he had some moments where he picked up, um, he picked up a guard off of a switch and looked really darn good and held his own. Uh, but again, it's going to be more about how can he stick on the floor because uh, he hasn't been called for a ton of fouls in summer league. Those are fouls that are going to get called in the regular season, and less less about getting fouled. I mean, less about fouling, more about like, okay, if you jump at this up and under. Well, the guy is coming up and under and scoring because you're out of position. And that's stuff that, you know, especially with, with, with Rick Carlisle there, they're trying to win right now, quite clearly. Um, I think Isaiah is going to spend a lot of time in Fort Wayne. I don't think he's ready for the NBA yet. But again, the flashes have been really intriguing. He's showing stuff in the face-up and drive game. Like he had this game. It wasn't Atlanta. I'm trying to remember the third game off the top of my head because I can't right now. I apologize for that. But he had a really nice drive to the rim, got tripped up like halfway. It was a, it was a defensive foul. It wasn't on him. Um, but he was just showing stuff is when he faces up and drives, like they've, they've been running a lot of horns actions for him, giving him the ball and horns, letting him kind of see over his back shoulder, uh, scan the court a little bit. Um, he's got really good playmaking feel and he's got solid accuracy on his passes too. And if the, the, the pass isn't there, like the read isn't there, the guy, the cutter, uh, isn't isn't open he kind of just flashes and goes um which i like and you can see that like the handle is just about there enough for him to do that like it's not perfect but there's something there um he hasn't really taken too many mid-rangers i actually don't think he's taken well he's taken some but he hasn't taken many um but again seeing seeing him try that 
is, is fascinating to me because we didn't see a lot of it at Kentucky. There were flashes of it, which is part of why people were high on him because, you know, there is more to him as like, and especially if, as what's come out from the front office, um, like they view him as a four moving forward. And I think they should because he has that kind of athleticism and it's going to be about rounding out his game to do that. And especially too, because he's not just a stretch four. like he's a guy like the playmaking flashes are legit. Like they're, he's, he's put up, pulled out some really nice passes, um, as both more of a connector and also um, just in general, he's tried some more audacious ones. Uh, he's tried a lot of give and go passes. Some of them have not looked great, but he's trying them. And I appreciate that. Um, I'm interested to see how they try and uh, build out his playmaking, uh, especially with, you know, you don't want to focus on everything with who's on your roster right now, but um he would kind of playmake from some of the same spots as Domas. That doesn't matter as much, but I would like to see them try and get him on the move. Like kind of like he's not Giannis, obviously nobody's Giannis, but like do some of what they did with Giannis in the playoffs, um, bring him in off the move from like on like a 45 cut or something, or, or just some kind of angle off of an, an initial action uh, or off like another action that's happening on the other side of the court, have him come in on an angle going full speed, get the ball and and move it from there because he has the role gravity. Um, he has the vision to make those plays. I would like to see that kind of stuff happen with him in Fort Wayne this year. Again, that's going to be stuff I'll be watching for and we'll talk more about it as the season goes on. Uh, just initial thoughts right now. They've also run a lot of pin in plays for him that I've liked uh, doing a lot of stuff to, uh, well, not a lot, but they've run like most of the same play where uh, he curls around uh baseline comes to the, the the far corner and the wing sets a back screen for him um and he gets a wide open three and he hit it uh not too long ago his his jumper looks solid I, I haven't like super dove into what his mechanics look like right now obviously I need to improve but I mean they're clearly trying to to workshop that and say hey we want you to work on on corner threes we want you to work on this elbow facilitation it's just cool because with him and Duarte like, I think that's been my favorite part about Summer League is seeing how committed the Pacers are to uh, to try and, and, and get these guys reps in what they want them to do at the NBA level. And I've liked that. I think it's cool giving these guys, um, like, no offense to Portland, but actually, yeah, some offense to Portland. Like, Portland, they well, they have just thrown out a team that is not a Summer League team, to be honest. Like, they've thrown out a team that has, like, five NBA vets on it. Um who are more camp invites than summer league invites like summer league you want to give guys who haven't played in the nba very much opportunities to see what they can do and, and try and show some growth and like that's what the pacers are doing and I, I like that they're showing that commitment um and that willingness to 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 buy into a player's development because that's important um i would be concerned if we weren't seeing that so it's been cool to see that and also isaiah's just looked fantastic as a roller like he had the game against the hawks um, he just had like, um, I mean, he had a double double in like the blink of an eye. And I think that's an easy thing to say, but it's just, it's true. I mean, his, uh, timing on offensive rebounds is really, really darn good. Um, hit again, like we mentioned, like his second jump is so, so crazy. It's like miles is in terms of just the ability to, to go hit, hit the ground and get right back up again without loading up. Um, I would like to see him improve a little bit as a finisher on putbacks because he, he does dip the ball down a little bit once he catches it. So that's going to be something to see with him. Uh, but overall, as a role man, has just looked fantastic. They've run a lot of lob plays for him. He's the first real lob threat the Pacers have kind of ever had, like the first super consistent lob threat. 
again, it's going to be some time before he's uh, he's there. But I wouldn't be shocked if we see him play a couple. I mean, it, it sounds easy to say it now that I'm like getting out. But like, I wouldn't be shocked if he plays a couple games uh, with the main club just because he does have some some skill sets that uh, could benefit them in certain matchups. Um, like he could stay on like, and I'm not talking about like starting, like I'm talking about playing like six to eight minutes or something, just giving like a small look off the bench. Uh, it would be interesting to see how that plays out. But again, the more like you, you, we're not really sure. It's just kind of conjecture. Um, so interesting stuff from him. Uh, but yeah, I've, uh, I've really liked seeing some of the flashes from him and also just, Again, the the Pacers knowing what they're looking for from each guy and trying to improve. So um, I'm really interested to see how Isaiah looks as the year goes on because um, by all accounts, really hard worker, seems like a, a, a good dude. So um, yeah, a lot to look forward to with him. Last guy I want to hit on, definitely not as much, uh, but I think my biggest takeaway from Summer League is that O'Shea Brissett looks good. Um, which is, that sounds, uh, Oshie Brissett looks good. What a, what a title for a pot or, um, title for an article or anything, but like, that's just kind of the fact of the matter. Um, he didn't finish incredibly well, but that was because he got fouled to, to, to hell. Like, um, I think it was in the Chicago game, um, when he just went up against Patrick Williams and it was less on Patrick Williams, but he got, I think he went to the line 11 times, um, because he is driving so much now. I think Caitlin put out the stat the other day that O'Shea drove like 19 times in uh, all of last season, and it felt like he's done more than that. He hasn't done more than that in three games, but like he's done a lot um, in terms of putting the ball in the deck. His handle looks tighter. He looks noticeably, noticeably uh, like a little bit more filled out. It might just be because of seeing him in, in person, but he just looked every part of an NBA for because a guy like him who played like, I don't think he played a thousand minutes. I think he played like six or 700 last year with Indy. It might've been a little bit less. I'm probably overestimating, but point being like somebody who played that many NBA minutes started a lot of games. Like you want him to come in and be dominant at the G league setting. And he was, um, defensively, he looked so, so good. Um, he was good protecting the rim. He was really good on the perimeter, uh, was making good rotations, um, like overall, just looking fantastic. Uh, it was a little bit rough because the team was still really figuring themselves out in the two games he played to start. Um, and they didn't do a good job of getting him the ball, in my opinion, um, just because they kind of lacked the playmaking to make that happen. But again, when he got the ball, his drives were fantastic. Again, it's going to be a lot of what happens with, uh, with his three and his shooting overall in the NBA. I, I don't really take too much from this small stretch in summer league because he played so little. Um, but again, he just, he, he looked, he looked very good. He looked like he's improved on the things that he's needed to improve, adding strength and attacking off the bounce and is just kind of really started to find himself. Uh, so I'm excited for him this, this upcoming year because he seems very ready and locked in to, to be there. Um, in terms of other takeaways from summer league, I, I don't really think I have too much more on the Pacers. Um, there were some guys who had some flashes. Again, we talked about Kiefer Sykes earlier in the pod. Um, I didn't really think anybody else particularly stood out on the team. Like Amita Brima had a couple of nice sequences um, as a shot blocker and interior defense, obviously as a rebounder. Um, I'm interested to see how the team keeps uh, utilizing him and, and what that means for him. Uh, I, have, I 
but overall, I, I'm, I'm not uh, blown away by anybody else. And I, again, I mean that in the nicest sense. But like in terms of anybody who's going to impact the NBA roster, I don't really see anybody on this uh, on this team outside of the four guys we've talked about. Um, but yeah, lastly, I just want to hit on again. Thank you guys for being patient. Um, it was really surreal getting to go to summer league uh, for this first time. It kind of was a culmination of like this entire last year and a half of covering the team, covering basketball. Uh, and getting to go and meet up with all these people that I've known for a while, but never gotten to meet face to face. Um, so it was nice to kind of take a break, uh, not take a break from basketball, but take a little bit of a break from doing the pod and, um, and doing writing and just getting to be invested in basketball um, and, and meet people. And uh, I, I just want to say thank you guys, uh, because you're the reason why I got to go um, and why I wanted to go because uh, I love doing this, and, and I just appreciate all the support and feedback. Um, thank you again. Uh, I hope you are all having a really great Sunday, Monday morning, wherever, whatever time you're listening to. We'll be back again on Monday evening or Tuesday morning with a recap of, of the last Summer League game, probably get some thoughts from Tom and Caitlin. Um, but most importantly, just have a good rest of your day. Thank you for listening.